Kia ora and welcome to a one-of-a-kind podcast series brought to you by Maxim Institute, Maximize Election 23. We're here every week to dive into the latest news, discussing the plain and the fancy articles. At the same time, we bring you insightful analysis of the various events across our country. We also present the Generally Good Egg Award and share our expectations for the following week. Welcome to Maximise Election 23 podcast. Josiah, Marianne, good morning. Hello. Good morning. Right, so we're going to dive right into our plane for this week. And the plane is the debates, generally the debates, because we've we've had quite a few of them. We've had the the Chris and Christopher debate on News Hub last week. Uh, we've had the uh, more minor party debates uh, last week and also the youth and, and young MP uh, debate last week. Now, it's not because he's the newest one on the staff, but Josiah has watched most of these. We didn't force him, I promise you. Josiah, um, first of all, debates, do they matter? Yeah, they matter. I think they're exciting. Um, but the downside is is that they can often turn into point scoring matches. Mm. Um, so I guess we need to ask ourselves, what is the point of these debates? Mm. If it's about point scoring, well, that's fine. But does that influence the way people think about certain things? Does that change the way people vote? Mm. Um, and so that was what was fantastic, I think, about the most recent debate between Chris and Chris was that you had some fire. Uh, you mm. had some point scoring and that mm. was great. That made for a more entertaining watch. Mm. And it made you think, well, these two people are, are quite different and they stand for some quite different things. Now, why is that? And that's where I think people were disappointed because we never really got below that surface level. Yeah. And then that raises questions, well, are they actually that different? Yeah. Okay. So what do you think, Marianne? Are they that different? I mean, Well, that was the interesting thing. In a lot of areas, they weren't that different, and they were agreeing with each other. And about things that you would think, actually, they should be disagreeing with each other on, or mm. at the very least, like with the school's policy, you've got national wanting to um, take away – all phones from students. So mandate something in schools. And then you've got Labour wanting to now, I'm not sure if it has been done or not. I'm not sure if they're sure if it's been done or not, but take away um, sugary drinks. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so Patty kind of pressed them on this, kind of like, well, will you agree to that? And will you agree to that? No, no, no. They were sticking with their populist policy, mm. both of which philosophically were the same. Yeah, what's the difference? Mm. Yeah, they, they just are chosen you, a different are you gonna leverage pool. schools choose or, or are you going to tell them yeah. what to do? Exactly. And both of them were going to tell them what to do. And so there wasn't much difference even when they were saying different Disagreeing. things. Half the time. <laughs> there were some things that were significantly different yeah. on. Yes. But often it was just same, same. So do you think part of the problem, Josiah, is that they're both chasing the centre vote, right? And yeah. we have this, I, I don't know if it's been done before, maybe last year, uh, sorry, last election, where you have the two major party leaders, Chris and Chris, uh, having their own debates and then everyone else having separate debates. We're not getting them all on stage together. Do you think that there there's a missed opportunity there where you'd get both leaders being attacked from the left and right that might push them apart a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's a real shame because I think the minor parties represent a broad interest for New Zealanders. That's why they exist. It's why there are no, not, not just two parties. Mm. Um, 
But when you just have the two Chris's going at it, they can largely ignore those or stick pretty shallow with some of those other issues like co-governance, like crime, like healthcare, mm. um, all of these other things. So yeah, when you keep just the two of them in a room, mm. they, they play the center and you miss out on what Kiwis actually care about. Uh, and I think that that just grows people's sense of uh, disappointment with the political process mm. and may even result, result in low voter turnout if they think the party they're backing isn't gonna get in or what's the point and voting because I don't like either Labour or National. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and it's also just giving these small parties a platform. Um, we pride ourselves on being a democratic country mm. where everybody's voices are heard and yet in, in the big time debates, we are the minor parties. And so I get there are some constraints. You can't mm. have everybody on mm. stage, but it would be nice to at least see them alongside some of the other minor parties. Mm. I don't know why we don't. I was just saying one of my formative political experiences uh, was seeing Peter Dunn on stage, uh, United Future Leader, with all the other party leaders, and he was um, snake charming the worm. It was going up for him, and he had a great, great debate. I think that was 2002. So, yeah, it is a shame. That seems like something we're missing out from from this year. Last thing on the debates, um, there's been a bit of a discussion and disagreement about the um, appropriateness and the um, how, how well it works in the news hub debate with uh, Paddy Gow was the moderator, there was a section where they kept on coming to individuals in the audience and getting them to personify policy responses for the Chris and Christopher. Um, Marianne, did you have any thoughts about that? Do you like it? You weren't keen? I mean, it makes for good TV. Yes. Okay. It puts a face on the, the issues, yes. so I get why they do it. I think the actual results of doing that are negligible like you're not actually gonna mm. inform anybody about anything you're just gonna tug some heartstrings and you know yeah that's just good tv okay. i think you had oh no no i was just gonna say yeah yeah, yeah I, I i i'm neutral here josiah i heard that you had a bit of a different view on this yeah i didn't like it um again we're talking about point scoring what are you gonna say the yeah. debates are all about appearing good um, in front of others mm. and so if somebody's saying you know would you like to lower the screening age mm. well of course you're not going to say no yeah um who's going to say no that would be terrible for your image mm. um but the reality is politics is doing the most with limited resources mm. um and so that specific policy aside what do you actually hope to achieve but more unfulfilled promises from politicians doesn't that cheapen their word um so i think rather than listing all these good things that we could all largely agree on and ask would you like to do them uh, we should be asking, well, can you do them yeah. and show us how? Maybe a great follow-up to the questions could have been, so what are we going to cut to pay for that? Yeah. To governors to choose. Yeah, maybe we should have got a bit more of that. Right, let's uh, move on to our fancy for the week. Um, and there's nothing fancier than fiscal plans. Um, National uh, released its fiscal plan uh, at the end of last week saying that they were going to have a larger um, uh, operating surplus uh, and they would get New Zealand's debt down quicker, greater surplus for 2026-27. Let's listen to these numbers. Um, under PREFU, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, net debt is set to peak at $103.8 billion and then drop to $102.6 billion in 2026. National is planning to do something very different. Debt will reach $102.8 billion and then fall to $100.6 billion the following year. If you thought that those numbers were very similar, that's because they are. Um, so headline numbers, they seem quite similar. Yeah. Marianne, what do you think? I think some of this reflects the similarities mm -hmm. around the populist 
policies that aren't actually targeted that Luxon's still talking about keeping because he knows that he might lose votes if he cuts them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much that makes a difference in the grand scheme because the numbers are so big. But what he is trying to do is differentiate the management of the money. And I think that's an excellent point. doesn't guarantee he'll be able to do it. But I think you look at the increase in spending under labor and if outcome was completely proportionate to the input, things would be miles better and they're not. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a management issue. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is something to watch. How are the resources going to be used and are people going to be held accountable for what they're doing in their domain? Luxon's talking, you know, like that's going to be a priority for them. If that's true, that will make a difference. Yeah. So, Josiah, they're talking about numbers out in four or five years from now. I mean, can we take any of these literally today? Uh, yeah, we're not fortune tellers. And I don't think we expect these parties to be fortune tellers either. But I think what it does uh, show us is, do they have a plan? Um, they're making all of these promises. They're saying this is how we're going to pay for them. Mm. Um, so that, that's cool. Um, you can see that some plans are more plausible than others. And I think that's all we can take them as, as plans. Are they plausible? Are they not? Um, and that, that's the value in them, I think. Yeah. I mean, you think back about the last government when they came in in 2017. What did they have ahead of them? They had White Island. They had the mosque shooting. And then they had this um, disease you might have heard of, COVID. Oh, huh. yeah, 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 I might have heard of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it kind of throws things out. So I think you're right that it, that we can see what their plans are, but best laid plans and all that. Mm. And they're always optimistic plans. Yeah. That, that's right. You've got they a range of numbers. They don't budget for natural disasters. No. Well, in the Treasury report, you've got like, Basically, they're saying this is optimistic. Yeah. I was like, well, okay, but are these numbers true? Yes, they're true, but they're optimistic. In the best case scenario. <laughs> Maybe we should be taking them seriously, not literally. Is, mm, that, well. the, is that the answer? Okay. Let's move on from uh, numbers uh, to something we might be a bit more uh, comfortable on, and that's the generally good egg, um, which, of course, every week we – search up on the political landscape who has uh, embodied good um, character and shown us how the best debates can be had um, sometimes easier to find than others but this week I think we had a, had a clear winner Thursday we had our um, Marianne was actually down in Wellington and you came across what was happening down there or you you, you heard it is that right yeah and I I probably got a good taste for it in mm. the like three minutes of noise I heard and then mm. nothing more. Mm-hmm. That was on Thursday. I obviously yeah. wasn't in the right spot because there mm. were more people just further down the road. Mm. Friday, oh, what time did I go through there? A couple times, um, morning and then um, kind of early afternoon. And there were a handful of people with signs and the birds were chirping and there were tourists taking photos. <laughs> so it was, all, it was all quiet. <laughs> Except for the few police you could still see around and some um, concrete barriers you wouldn't have known anything Mm. had been planned there so Mm. yeah i think it was a pretty peaceful peaceful thursday and one of the the first people to get there um were members of um a gang from the far north who had come down to um oppose national acts policies Mm. on the gangs so they were delivering a petition um, they got there early, so they wouldn't be mixed up with whatever else might go down, which turned out to be nothing really. Um, and we liked Mark Mitchell, who actually went out to talk to people. And even though he disagreed with them and one of them didn't get an apology out of him when he mistook him for a gang member and he wasn't, mm-hmm. 
he still listened. And one of the women he spoke to afterwards when they asked um, what they thought of that, she said, good on him. Thank you. I'm glad he was here. He got to hear us. I think it fell on deaf ears, but that's okay. It wasn't about him at the end of the day. It was getting our voices heard and a better understanding around the situation. And I just think that shows the power of going across a bridge to somebody mm. and listening to what they've got to say, whatever the matter is, yeah. that's how you de-escalate things. Yeah. So you had a petition being presented effectively saying, Mark Mitchell, who's National Party's police spokesperson, um, your policies that you're trying to put in are terrible. And he went out and he talked to them about it. Great. Great. Okay. So uh, obviously Marianne survived uh, <laughs> Thursday. Um, we'd heard that it was going to be, um, you know, the whole streets were locked down. There was that uh, UN meeting that was going to be in per- person in Parliament. Was going to be, it was held online. Um, Josiah, mainly example of mainly peaceful protest by the sound of it. I think so, which is good. Mm. Um, and I think the Mark Mitchell example is fantastic because I think the uh, antidote to the venomous polarisation that we're heading into is actually listening and I think mm. if people feel like they're being listened to we might actually get somewhere um, if we're just labeling other people racists we're not actually getting down to the policy um, so yeah I'd love to see more of that I'd love to see us come together we don't have to agree agree uh, mm. and there's a sense in which politics is inherently divisive um, we're literally divided over different issues we're trying to come together and compromise um, so how do we do that we do that by listening by respecting people with humility um, all of those things are good things embodied by the the protesters, uh, by those who presented the petition, Mm. um, and by Mark Mitchell. So may that continue as we head into the election and beyond. Absolutely, Mm. absolutely. Now, speaking of which, we've only got two more weeks until the election, um, and today early voting starts, so the week ahead. Um, Early voting, what are your predictions, Josiah? Do you think we're going to have lots of people turn out? Just just to be clear, last last election we had 2 million people voting before election day. Um, and even the election before that, so not COVID, um, you had one and a quarter million people voting before election day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we'll have an all right amount turn out. Um, I'm not sure people are particularly galvanized to this election. Um, I think people are probably a little bit apathetic, um, but I do think there will be a slight drive for people to get out and vote early. Um, it's convenient um, if you've got stuff on on election day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say it'll be less than last time, but maybe more than you might expect. Okay. Marianne? Yeah. I think people are getting used to early voting being a thing. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to at least one person who's like, just going to get it over and done with. <laughs> it's convenient. <laughs> and then, and like they can file that away and move on from yes, the election in yes. their own head anyway. <laughs> Unlike us, if you vote early, you don't have to think about the election no. anymore. That's right. Are you going to vote early, Marianne? I haven't even decided. Oh. So much I haven't who, decided. Who to vote for? <laughs> <laughs> all of that, all of that. Yes. Um, just speak, last thing before we leave, speaking about the turnout, um, there have been quite a few uh, concerned people in politics, you know, writing columns saying turnout's going to be low because we're apathetic, you know, this is terrible, this is effectively means that there's less of a legitimacy to the, to the election outcome, the fewer people that vote. Um, do you think that's true, Marianne? Yeah. No. <laughs> Decided. <laughs> it's one of those, it could go either way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's always going to be 10% or 15% of people who aren't going to vote no matter what. Yeah. Um, I suppose the question is, are the people, if it turns out that only 20, that 25% of the electorate don't turn out to vote, are those extra people not turning out to vote because they don't like anything on stage? And is that a, is that a problem if you don't turn out to vote, Josiah? 
because you've decided you don't like anything. I think it's a shame if you don't vote because surely you can pick one party that's better than another even mm. if you really don't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think it makes it any less illegitimate. Um, you turn up and you vote and that counts. If you don't, it doesn't. Um, so, no, I think it, it it's, doesn't matter either way. Fantastic. Oh, well, on that note, let us leave you there for another week. Josiah, Marianne, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks for listening to the Maxim Institute podcast. If you'd like to hear more from us and keep up with the rest of our research and analysis of politics and policy in New Zealand, you can sign up on the homepage of our website to get our monthly forum email and invitations to future Maxim Institute events. You can search and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the team at Maxim, Matewa, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.